Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can couches be haunted? How do energy parasites select their victims? Do parasites have rights too? Hello and welcome to the 773rd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON 1240 AM in 99.3 FM in our 11th year on the air. I'm Ben and those varied questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal and dad. Paul. And uh, today uh, we bring you the first of two back-to-back open line shows to kind of ring in the new year over here with our great guest co-host, Shane Searway. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be back. And if you'd like to be part of the show today, call us at 401-766-1240 from anywhere or email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. And uh, we might add uh, off the cuff here that Shane has uh, joined us in the world of excess facial hair. Didn't think we noticed, did you? (laughs) And uh, he has grown a magnificent beard and has joined us. All he needs now is glasses, and he'll really be part of the club. So uh, uh, you look good. You look good. Oh, there we are. Okay, there we are. Okay, we're all set. So let's plunge right into our questions and comments here. All right. uh, Well, let's see. Why don't we begin with some of these shorter Facebook uh, questions that come in on, on Facebook. I mean, one sentence can lead to like a 20-minute... Like I know. Well, that's why we're doing two back-to-back shows uh, here. So, Ben, if you take the uh, first one, which is uh, Todd from Ohio. Alrighty. So, Todd writes to us, um, In cases of true possession, uh, do you believe the controlling entity actually resides inside the body of the host nearby or perhaps remote remote location? Okay. Well... Maybe I'd have some experience with that sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, Todd, we love you dearly, but if you don't ask the right question, you won't get the right answer. I, I don't know, from at least my in my opinion, that if that's the right approach to take. I don't know if there's any uh, residence uh, within the person or without. The common belief is that a, a quote-unquote demon will take over someone and possess them, hence the name, of course, and will control their personality, even their bodily movements, uh, strange voices come out, which, which does happen. I've seen it myself. Uh, but th- I don't think that's quite what was happening. As uh, people will see in the first chapter of my next book, which is coming out uh, in the year that is about to begin, uh, I do not think those explanations are good enough. Uh, I don't think that the that possession is actually what people think it is. I think uh, it is, from what I've seen anyway, in, when I was involved assisting a priest with exorcisms in the 70s, these things were a bonding, so to speak, between the parasite, and of course we don't know what parasites are, I, you don't listen to the show because we talk a lot about it, but it is a strange concept for most people. Uh, we think that there are energy parasites or paranormal creatures uh, that are perfectly alive, they're not spirits, uh, that um, exist in parallel worlds and will feed upon us as, just as any other creature would, would have to eat to live. Uh, in my opinion, during the exorcisms, uh, the thing was feeding upon the emotions generated by the exorcism as well. And uh, so I don't think that this was living inside the person. I think that well, it, it was in a way because uh, multidimensionally, so to speak, or multiversally, more accurately, these things, uh, you're, you're bonding with where you already are, this entity in a parallel reality. And that's a really strange concept. But if you look at the idea that all possibilities exist in the multiverse, 
uh, all all possibilities exist. All things that could possibly happen exist in 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 the, the past, the future, which all exist simultaneously. Weird concepts, but the the, the time things right out of Einstein. Uh, I think that we were dealing with something that where there was a bonding between two facets of the same uh, being. Okay, I think that all of us share the lives of all other creatures everywhere in the multiverse, and I think parasites, because they eat that way, know how to move between worlds and take advantage of those energies. Shane, uh, what do you think about all this? Yeah, most most of the ones I dealt with that were brought to me as um, a possession were not. Um, they, they were, a lot of times actually, it was... Somebody like a teenager or whatever that was uh, this ha- this I actually have dealt with this quite a bit a teenager that grew up in a in a, a fear based uh, dysfunctionally religious family you know their parents that were really controlling and, and used fear to you know to um, discipline their children you know in in, in the religious sense and um, instead of using love so the way I had to treat this was when the kid acted out he would use voices and whatever to get the attention from the parents you know um, or whatever I wouldn't address that voice at all. I would walk out of the room and ignore it. And then, and then I'd, when the kid would talk normal, we'd have conversations. I'd let him open up, or him or her, and then um, and also educate the parents that they needed to use more love um, in, in steering their their children rather than fear based. Because um, some some of those religions they, they, they just they they're driven by fear, and it's horrible. That's that's terrible. Uh, because that's what these parasites look for, you know. So, um, but the ones that I did deal with that that I felt was something more, and I, it's exactly um, what you were saying is how I how I take it. Like um, it's almost like a, they're being synced. Like the the hosts and the parasite are syncing up, uh, whether it's through uh, frequency or whatever. Uh, we know they they feed off of uh, the emotional energy. Emotions uh, are huge in all of this. And when we're in a lower emotional state, we attract these things. They 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 can connect with us that way through a lowered vibrational emotional frequency. And um and I believe they're able to kind of sync together and um, operate through. And where the the host is already in a lowered emotional state, they they lose control um, from you know the parasite. One of the things that uh, I noticed too, uh, in agreeing with Shane here, is is that the parasite just doesn't come in and you know take over. Right. It may look like that, but I think j- just from the cases I've seen that the per- the host has to almost uh, agree to this bonding, and <clears throat> because uh, I, I'm thinking particularly even in cases where there isn't a, uh, what we would call a possession. There are cases where uh, I'm thinking of the Bridgeport House in 1974. The little girl uh, and other people like her w- were rather pleased to be receiving all the attention because, as you mm-hmm. said very, very correctly, they come from negative, uh, whether it be religions, environments, whatever. Uh, in, especially today, you've got uh, there, there are implications of, of addiction, <clears throat> very often chemical dependencies, and they w- will uh, appreciate the attention. Uh, at times, and uh, even the attention of the parasite. Mm-hmm. So this is something you have to get around. And uh, when I, I was working, in, and my, the context of my involvement was at St. Lawrence State Hospital in Northern mm-hmm. New York back in the 70s when I was a seminary student. And uh, there just was, was very little, uh, if any, uh, acknowledgement or even uh, awareness of that reality that, that these people were, <clears throat> that they were just victims. They sat there and this happened to them. That essentially was the idea. And you go in, 
with the you know sort of a sledgehammer approach using the authority of, of well in our case Christ to get rid of the parasite <clears throat> sometimes it would work sometimes it wouldn't work usually it wouldn't work permanently as a matter of fact I'm not uh, any of the seven cases I was involved I'm not aware that uh, that uh, there are ten cases I should say I wasn't uh, aware of it ever ex- ever taking place uh, as, as a solution permanently mm. everybody had to go back after I graduated I was in touch with the priest for a while and uh, the yeah because what they do is they they try to deal with the parasite instead of dealing with the person it's in themselves right, exactly. and yeah. that's that's key you know I found yeah. well some- there was a lot of follow up at least in the cases that, that I was involved you know with the person the spiritual counseling and and psychiatric help and and it was done in the context of, of the medical community as well mm-hmm. doctors were fully aware of this so it wasn't just some off the, off the cuff thing but you're right uh, the, the approach was incomplete right so I've, I've even seen um, you know people. Actually, this this happens a lot. Um, well, actually, another thing: almost every single one of the ones that I dealt with, uh, these you know alleged possessions or some that might may have been, um, um, were all come, they all came from a, a religious background, like a, a fear based religious yes. background or dysfunctional yep. religious background. Um, the one that uh, you know pushes fear over love, and instead you know, and um, so. In, in some of the cases, I, I truly believed that these people um, wanted to be touched by the hand of God so bad that they, exactly what you said, they allowed this thing to affect them, you know, or enter them or whatever you, however you want to word it, to afflict them because they thought it would help, you know, their chances of God, God being closer to them to, you know, be touched by the hand of God to get rid of this thing. Yeah. Um, I actually believe that was the case, you know. Yeah, interesting. I bet, Ben, you, I want to get you in here too, but interestingly, theologically, if you look at the book of Genesis and the sin of Adam and Eve, you know, there's, there's no apple in there. I mean, it's not, it was really the sin of pride uh, in the face of, of God rather than humility that was thing. And so, you know, I've always been big on, uh, that, that sort of thing, and uh, the the pride aspect is something that the parasites will play upon. At, at least, as far as I've noticed, uh, these people. Um, gee, you know, maybe I've uh, bombed out in life, or I'm in jail, or I've done this anything. However, but but this cosmic being who claims to be a great elder or or something is paying attention to me, and then in come whether it be the police or doctors, and they're paying attention to me. That's pride. Mm. Used in the wrong way. I mean, pride, I suppose, can be good in, in, in the best sense of, of uh, self-respect, things of this kind. Um, English doesn't have enough actual words for that. But um, I just think that that's a factor. So, in a way, you see theological shadows of original sin in the Well, I think there's like an, old, an older word that, that existed um, that I've seen in a lot of translations from Greek that you don't really hear used anymore, which is prelist. Which, yeah, which is actually you know sort of um, it's it's basically like pride to the nth degree. That's kind of like the 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 context that we're talking about. Like you know you, they committed the sin of prelist rather than you know pride because being prideful of you know something you make you make something cool. You know it's it's good to take pride in your work. Absolutely. So yeah. it's used in a different context. Whereas you know um, prelist is like I'm the best. No one else can beat me. Like that kind of thing. Mm. I think that it's it's interesting, and this is probably going to lead into our next question. So I'll kind of I'll kind I'll kind of leave it leave it at, yeah. at this for now. That well, let's um, thank, thank Todd for his question. Yeah. Uh, no, th- well, many thanks, Todd. Um, and I guess you know I'll lead lead into the next next question, which is Kathy from 
Houston, Texas, and she she writes, uh, I'm sure you've read this, but I've just read Seth Speaks and was curious about your thoughts. So to people who do not know what Seth Speaks is, I actually, I, I was like, I, I vaguely remembered it, but I, I had to look it up. Um, basically, it's based off, it's it's a collection of writings that was, was dictated to Jane Roberts um, uh, via a channeling session that her husband, um, um, his name is Robert Butts, ended up uh, you know, sort of doing dictations for it. And it's basically just a, a collection of s- spiritualist stuff, um, sort of like the, the post-World War II New Age movement kind of thing, like um, some, of the, some of the core beliefs, really. It's basically like... Uh, um, just, it, it's all stuff we've heard before, which is basically like, you know, individuals create their own circumstances and experiences through reality, and um, the concept of of creating your own reality was kind of created out of this. Um, it all goes along with the Edgar Edgar Casey kind of stuff uh, that that was around the same time, I believe, which was like 1963 ish. Um, actually, wait, Edgar well, Casey, Casey was, was before that. Yeah, yeah like so was so was after 30s Edgar and Casey. 40s, yeah. yeah, so it was it was probably twenty ish years later. Yeah. Um, so basically, I, I kind of read through to, to like check out the, the beliefs and all that, and it's really nothing that I've I've heard before. But the interesting thing is that it all kind of started um, with a Ouija board, apparently. So, you know, they were writing a book on, like, you know, discerning reality or whatever, and so they were messing around with a Ouija board, Jane and her, her husband, and they this this being came out of it called Seth, and it was telling her things about reality or whatever, and apparently Seth was some, you know, being that went through the cycles of reincarnation or whatever and then made it into a non-physical plane and became a teacher, quote-unquote, and, you know, started basically saying these basic New Age things um, through channeling and all that. And one of the main criticisms of of this was that, you know, Edgar Casey, when he was going through the whole thing, whatever he was channeling, he tended to take on the syntax of, you know, whatever he was channeling. You know, it wouldn't speak in modern English. Um, but, you know, Jane here would speak in modern English. And, like, it was, so people were like, well, are you sure you're channeling this thing? Like, you know, you're not just kind of making it up. Um, but basically, the, the kind of, you know, core beliefs that, that were, were kind of taught were, you know, making your own reality, um, that there was a point of power through which individuals can affect change in the present moment. Um, there's also a wide variety of metaphysical concepts that are talked about, God and all of that, and uh, the origins of the universe, the nature of the self, and the higher self, and then, you know, oddly enough, retelling the story of Christ, talking about, you know, death and rebirth, reincarnation, karma, past lives. I always think it's interesting that a lot of the New Age stuff, I've, I've never, to, to answer your question, Kathy, I've actually, I've actually never read this, and I don't know if either of you guys have. No. I read it a long time ago. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't. I find that New Age material is just misunderstandings of old concepts. And it's it's basically just taking something that everyone knew in the first place and just like, you know, stuff that's that's like deep, visceral, something that you just know deep down and then taking it and just you know, being like just completely misunderstanding it. And I think I think it's it's kind of I think it's an interesting case in studying how, you know, people just don't discern what they hear. And they don't think that, you know, oh, cool, there's a cosmic entity that's telling me all this stuff. Right, awesome, this is how, I know this is true. When, how, how do you know? <laughs> yeah. How do you know this being called Seth is actually Seth? Yeah. How do you know what it's telling you is true? One of the emails gets into that a little bit. Oh, actually? Yeah. 
Yeah, so basically, so I just I just think that you know whether it's it's possession or you know something like this, I think the one inter interlocking thing is that these are just old things that have happened to humanity for thousands and thousands of years, but it's misunderstandings of things our ancestors already knew. Shane, any thoughts? I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One of the things about the New Age movement, which started back when I was uh, not a lad, but Early on, earlier on in the, in the career here, really late 60s, early 70s, which is essentially a response to the environmental movement. Okay, it was a spiritual response to the environmental movement, which I respect very much. Uh, but one of the, but I think Ben's right. I mean, again, it, it's a, it's a readaptation of old, very often spiritualist concepts. There's more to it than that, of course. I saw good in it because people were searching for God. And that, to me, that's always good. But sometimes without any kind of guidance, uh, that can lead you into isolation. And spiritual isolation, physical isolation, that, that's, that's never good. People say, well, you know, I'll find God myself. Well, fine, but I mean, there, there is a certain human experience, and here we go with the island theory again, that we're all individuals, that we, we're not really connected with each other, and that's not, not true. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a dangerous road to follow because, you know, humans, we, we crave... Um, you know, something other than, you know, what's in front of us, right? We yeah. crave something outside of ourselves. And, you know, retreating into yourself to find something outside yourself is just a, it's, it's a slippery slope. Well, so, well, just uh, to keep with Kathy's question, I think that your answer, what you just said, kind of lines right up with that. Uh, and, but the, it, it, right, it brings up another question. If we don't follow ourselves, whom do we follow? Because there are all kinds of charlatans out there and people who think they're doing the right thing and, and followers of this spirit or that religion. Uh, it, it really is, but in a way, that's the nature of the human mind. You know, we, we, we follow things um, and we are not necessarily rational. And then when we are rational, we might use uh, scientific principles that are not adequate to define reality. So we're kind of in a mess. Um, spiritually and intellectually. So mm. I think the best thing to do is, I think they're always the answer, whether it be to fight off parasites or whether it be to grow, is to stick together. I'd also like to add that um, it's extremely rare, if not, it never happens, um, that something positive comes through using with the use of a Ouija board. Yeah. Um, usually when it appears that way, it's a parasite getting, gaining your attention, and once you buy into it, it changes and it becomes nasty. Um, but I've, I, I don't know about some special cosmic being coming through trying yeah. to help save the world. I've never seen that on a Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> in my yeah, life. that's what kind of like <laughs> makes me feel a little weird about it because I was, I was like reading through it and I was like, this sounds generally positive, but at the same time, it's like, is it? Right. <laughs> but is it? <laughs> well, I think of our dear friend, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who is uh, not only a friend, she co-hosts this show now and then. And she is um, a renowned uh, figure in the paranormal world, written, uh, I think it's like 80 books. I stand in awe of that, and, and we love her dearly, but we don't agree on much. We'll agree that today is Sunday and maybe that the sun is out, but uh, as far as, um, but she believes that there are times when the Ouija board can be a positive thing. Uh, I don't think any of us here today agree with that, but uh, that's her opinion, and she has a lot of experience. So there are different opinions. Uh, I just, 
really have never, ever, in almost 50 years of working with us, seen the Ouija board have a good effect. No, yeah, me I, either. I've seen where it comes through, and it, and it acts like it's somebody's grandmother, and it knows things that the yeah. grandmother should know. But then all of a sudden, so they get become obsessed with it, and they're always talking to grandma. Absolutely. Now they believe it. Yeah. But now it's not grandma, grandma anymore. Yeah. You know, it's it's something totally different, and it's yeah. wrecking their lives. We had a cousin in Florida, uh, Ben and I did, who uh, lived until 98. And every day she would um, go on the Ouija board and uh, talk to her friends, as she would say. And when she read uh, Faces in the Attic in 1998, when I published that book, it was the first book I'd written in 20 years, uh, I referred to, um, uh, rather uh, with a pejorative, uh, to to people using Ouija boards. And she thought I was talking about her. (laughs) So I had to kind of soothe her down. I said, I wasn't talking about you, but whatever. So there are people who swear by him. I, I don't understand that. I don't condone it, but it is what it is. Well, again, you know, it's it's kind of the, the principle we land on, you know, whenever we have any of these shows. It's really all about perception, right? Sure. You know, um, you can't you can't fix how, how other people see things. You can't fix how you see stuff. Well, you can, but you can't fix how other people see things. And, you know, if if one person says, you know, I, I see that, you know, that sign over there has has green in it, and someone else will say, "No, no, no, no! It's it's more like a blue." Like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. You know, it's it's all it's all really based on perception, and you can't you can't fix other people's perceptions. I mean, you just look at the political landscape. <laughs> oh, gosh, <laughs> well, it's not. Uh, we're not. Yeah, uh, but that's a, that's a perfect example. You know, did you, we uh, answer Kathy's question? Ah, uh, well, uh, she was curious about her thoughts and asked if we read it, and which you know, yeah, okay. two of the three of us have not read it. <laughs> all yeah. I did was read a quick like cliff notes of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, as I said, I read it for a long time ago, but I agree with your analysis, Ben. It's just uh, I don't trust any of these things. So uh, what's next? Okay. So, well, we're, we're almost couple, to our break. But yeah, I guess we could introduce we can the question start, yeah. at least. Uh, so this is uh, Kathy once again. Um, I believe it's the same Kathy uh, from Houston, Texas, because you know, maybe there's a couple other Kathys in Houston. Um, <laughs> uh, what are what are your thoughts on near-death experiences? Um and the uh, psychic abilities some people become uh, aware of or develop afterwards. I have no doubt that NDEs are uh, real, but basically I'm I'm interested in people being able to do energy work, um, mediumship, or becoming empaths. Is this... um an initiate uh, unknown or an innate unknown skill in them uh, or an awakening that is received during their experience. Jane, my, you want to take that one? my story. Huh. <laughs> What's that? That's, that's my story right there. Oh, there you go. Um, well, I had I had things, um, I knew things before my near-death experience, um, but it became so much more amplified after. And, you know, at the age of 10, where I became sick, and doctors never did know why I, I was sick. But what I was told was when I saw the, that gentleman or something that it, lo- it looked like someone trying way too hard to look like a human being. It was it was really bizarre. But um, told me that I was being brought there. Uh, basically, what he was explaining in different words, but um, to make it easier. To, um, or just to get to the point, was that I was basically being tuned. I had to be brought to that, so I, I could be tuned to that frequency, basically. So I was connected, um, and that's the word he uses, so I could ever be connected so I'd be able to help people. So after that, um, after I got better, um, after that experience, um, I became extremely empathic, and um, which, and I'm telling you, this is God's honest truth, <clears throat> There's people that run around there, run around um, bragging about being empathic. 
They're probably not because it's not fun. It's it's terrible. I mean, if everybody in the world was empathic, it'd be a wonderful place to live. Um, no one would step on anyone's toes. Exactly. But because there's people out there that are volatile and in in you know angry and and dysfunctional and stuff like that, for an empath, it's terrible. Especially when you um, are in a relationship with someone like that, or you have a family member that you're close to that that's that's a you know. A dysfunctional person, or or um, in a bad place, it it can make an empath extremely sick, and I mean I can't even explain. So it's not a fun thing. So, but that that became um, something that was very very strong after that. My, uh, my dreams were coming true. I dreamt about this was a terrible thing. I dreamt about friends. <clears throat> okay, we got to take a break. Okay, well, you can finish the oh, sentence. Okay. <laughs> I can come back to it. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take our bottom of the hour break, folks. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Van Eno. Uh, on WON 1240, um, that's AM and 99.3 FM in the women's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our great guest co-host today, Shane Searway, doing open lines, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Greg Bell, the host of When Radio Was. Hi, Mortimer. Bill. Is that you under that blindfold? Bill. With this thing on, I can't see who I am. No, I imagine not. Can't you see anything at all under that blindfold? On a clear day, I can see the blindfold. You can. When Radio Was, shows from the past for today's imaginations. When Radio Was airs Monday through Friday right here on ON 1240 Radio at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join us on the Midday Show from noon to 2 every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday with the Super Quiz, great oldies, and interesting guests. That's Midday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 2. <laughs> and we're back behind the paranormal here with our great guest co-host Shane Searway today. And uh, we're doing open lines, the uh, first of two back-to-back shows because we have so many questions piled up here. So Shane... Uh, Sorry to interrupt. Pick up where you where you were uh, talking about, of uh, course, the uh, near death experiences and uh, what it can lead to, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so um, as I was probably, gosh, twelve, twelve years old. So this is after, like I said, my I, my dreams were coming true like crazy. I dream about everything. I would I would I could sense um, people's emotions. I could I could even kind of like hear their thoughts you know and it was it was crazy because i was young and i didn't understand it you know it was it was uh, but anyway and then one time i had a dream of um my sister almost getting in the car with these two people i mean these two getting in the car with um these two cars that were you know driving around together um it was on i think a prom night or something like that and they got into a car accident and people died and, and I told so I told my sister, Don't get in the car and she almost did. And but then she remembered and she didn't she didn't go into the car. Um but five out of the six people died and, and I and I never said anything because you know I didn't expect the dream like that to come true, you know. Um, but so now, I, I, if I have a dream like that, I don't care how foolish I sound. I have to tell people, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, uh, to to be more specific to her question, um, my my near death experience, um, absolutely, what I was told to me that I was being tuned, um, so I could be connected to to that, so I could you know be able to help people. So, um, and then two other times, I had three other uh, near deaths, but two were very, very close. Like they, and again, they didn't know what was wrong. I just had severe allergic reactions to nothing because I didn't change anything. I wasn't exposed to anything. 
and um, but it was in times where I was kind of um, not following my path, you know, and it, it was occupied with other things, and not, next thing you know, so I'm, I'm pulling away, I'm not paying attention to those to that area, which is what I truly feel like I'm um, here to do is help people um, that I had two really close and kind of, uh, near-death experiences where I'm talking where, you know, stay with us, Shane, stay with us, and I'm blacking out. And, and, um, and one one of the times um, I heard a voice, I blacked out, and there there's all kinds of people working on me and everything, and um, and I black out and I hear a voice tell me, says, tell them to give you, I think it was like 750 whatever measurements of prednisone and a shot of adrenaline or you're going to die. And I well, I woke up and I mumbled those, uh, the same thing to the doctors. I black out again. I wake back up, and within a half hour, I feel like a million dollars. And I asked the doctor, I said, what happened? He's, we did what you told us to do, and, and it saved my life. But wow. um, there is something mm-hmm. to all that. Absolutely. Ben, any thoughts on uh, Kathy's uh, question there? I mean, I think it's, I think it's um, legit. That's a very – I feel like – I don't know. I'm one of those people where experiencing something is, is the best way to really learn from from it. Um, that's why, you know, I, I wish I – well, I don't wish. But, you know, if I had Shane's experience, I'd probably be better better suited to answer the question. But I, I just – I don't. I don't know what other people go through. You know, I try to I try to empathize as best I can, try and figure it out. But you know, sometimes you just you just can't. There are certain things that happen to people that you just can't explain. Well, I think one of the things that uh, <clears throat> uh, when Kathy's touching on is something that um, are, are certain abilities and what we call psychic. And I think these are innate abilities in every person that are survival instincts left over from our remote past. Yeah. Uh, as, as I've often said, uh, unless you had the funny feeling or the hunch that you were being watched and it was uh, you know, the, the saber-toothed cat on the rock <laughs> looking at you for a hot lunch, uh, our species never would have survived. So I think th- these are things that we all have. Mm-hmm. And the question is, <clears throat> uh, how dormant are they in a given individual? And obviously, you know, you know somebody might be better playing the piano than than we are uh but i think it's the same thing some some people might be better at using these these ancient uh gifts or abilities than other people are but we i think we've all got them Uh, i think there's a lot that kind of stands in our way of that though i feel like at least over the last two decades you know our culture's kind of built up so much between um our our innate abilities i guess and um Kind of like between our innate abilities and you know the outside world, it's there's just so many walls now that yeah, e- like that exist. Smartphones. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know they're great. You know yeah. smartphones are great for certain things. Right, you know they right. have they have their uses, but they you know I was I was talking with with an old friend of mine you know this this past holiday, um, and he he was saying like you know he was just like even he's like you know he's like when we were kids you know we just we didn't have any of this. You know, it's like my generation is different because we grew up around the dawn of the internet. You know, back when we still had dial-up and stuff like that, and <laughs> yeah. you know the horrible like ringing sounds of of, of a modem booting yeah. up. It was just <laughs> the worst. But still, you know, growing up in that time period, you know, you still went outside. You still like you know played with kids and stuff. Now it's just like it's so it's so different. We're so tethered to all all these machines that it just mm. blocks it all off. 
you know? Yeah, my, my day is not to run out on the front porch and shout to somebody. You want to talk? <laughs> Back in my day, I had to walk uphill both ways in a dust storm to go to my friend's well, house. Well, blizzards in our case in New England. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, but I mean, it's, it's, it's changed, but it's, it's true. And that, I think, has changed our perceptions of these abilities and has channeled them into different ways at the risk of using the word channeling. But uh, one, another thing that Kathy brings up in her question is uh, are, are you know psychics and mediums also thing, and uh, I think we've already touched on the idea that um, I don't necessarily think we should trust all that stuff. Uh, and I think one of the things that, that that might illustrate that is is a, is a, a some points here from uh, Phil, who is a new friend from Connecticut, who is now a show reporter, and uh, I think we read down to where I marked that Ben, we can. Uh, get to that point I was mentioning. Sure. Uh, do, 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 do. I can never thank you enough for the intelligence you bring to the aspects of the paranormal. You know, you can skip the comments. Okay. Uh, oh, so it's... So it's um, no, the last question. Last question. Oh. The fourth paragraph. Oh, the fourth paragraph. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I can I can count. I went to college. <laughs> I remember asking a clairvoyant, um, how do you know for sure who that, I- who that is you are channeling? And she replied, why he gave me his name. Okay. Uh, I just felt there was no critical thinking, no science backing up their interpretations, plus these quote-unquote dead spirits uh, seemed very much alive. Anyway, uh, I came across your work, and, well, things began to make sense. Uh, shall I continue? No, sorry. I just, I just I think Phil made a very important... Thank you, Phil, for your kind words. We, we, we appreciate that very much. But his idea that uh, people are very credible, that they just believe... Whatever they're told, not everybody, just believe whatever they're told very often, whether it be a Ouija board or some kind of psychic communication or mediumship thing or seance, whatever. And this is extraordinarily dangerous. And in all the years, I've seen it backfire, I don't know how many times, and about 60% of the cases I ever dealt with with the young people started with them using Ouija boards or doing a seance. I wonder why. I feel like after all these years of seeing these things, I wonder why people... We just assume these things, right? Like we, we want to be. I think we want to. Ble- what, what, what's the old saying? I want to believe. That's true. No matter how many times we get <laughs> ripped off or, or lied to or um, plowed over by whether it be government or 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 people who are supposed to be our friends or whatever, we want to believe. I think in the goodness of people, and most of us do. Uh, some, and when you don't want to believe in that, at least you become very cynical and negative yourself, I think, very often. That's just an opinion. But I, I think that we, and, and when something uh, what that seems to be above us or beyond us, we really want to believe that mm. they're telling the truth. I don't know, Shane, what do you think? Yeah. And, you know, just like with the Ouija board, too, you know, um, it, the Ouija board is not magical. It's 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 a tool to um gain your attention on a possibility of interaction. So you can do that without a Ouija board. You can do that with a seance. You can do that. You can create your own, you know, tactic or whatever. But it's just the fact that it's, can, you know, it's, it's you're giving your attention to a possibility of interaction. So you're telling the parasitic entity that you'll play. And that's why those things work. And so. one of the things, I think you, one of the great greatest points I think you've ever made of the many great points you've made, Shane, on, on the show is that, these uh, entities are like children, yes. some of them anyway, yep. uh, particularly the lower echelon ones, as we call. And that the more attention you give them, the more they're going to want, like a little child yep. saying, mommy, mommy, you know, then you pay attention. You're reinforcing the behavior, as our esteemed casting producer would say, who's a behavioral scientist. And uh, that would, I think that's, um, 
A, a really important point. Yes, and it's very true. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You ignore it, it'll go play somewhere else. Yep. Uh, why don't we, before we leave Phil's uh, very excellent letter here, uh, why don't we cover his last points there, Ben, because uh, it, it's, it's... On page one or two. Very well put. Uh, well, two, one, page one into page two. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he continues to say, your November 18th podcast with Jerry Marzinski uh, has been reverber- reverberating in my, conscious, my consciousness uh, since I heard it. There's a lot of syllables there. I apologize. Uh, toward the end of the show, uh, you asked Jerry if an entity ever spoke to him through a schizophrenic person. And when he said that a parasite, uh, parasitical entity once said, um, you have no right to interfere with our way of life, well, I almost drove off the road. <laughs> um, we'll do that. It seems that the implication of that statement, uh, the implications of that statement are profound. I suge- It suggests that sapping energy from humans, if that is uh, what they are, um, is a way of life to these entities, and that perhaps we are simply a food source. And these entities have no more concern for our well-being than we do for a fish or chicken uh, that we consume at our dinner table. Does that suggest that they're like vegans of parasites? (laughs) Well, I've run into all kinds of parasites with all kinds of strange opinions, supposedly, but we'll talk about that in a bit. So he continues, <clears throat> so why do these intelligent entities inflict so much pain on some people? Uh, because we are food and they don't care? Uh, is Ike's uh, right about this? The, yeah, uh, David Ike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is certainly a sobering thought. I think uh, the best thing to do is to, su- is to surround uh, yourself and others uh, with love and approach things the way Donna uh, Philly does. No anger. It is also in, yeah. intriguing uh, living so near to the Litchfield Goshen Triangle. That is real. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the Donna he references is a dear friend of ours who has been on the show many times. She's also a show reporter and is, uh, lives in the house where our involvement with the Litchfield Triangle in Connecticut started and it just grew from there. Uh, I think an excellent point here uh, that uh, Phil is making uh, is, is well put here uh, that... Um, yeah, or I should say, question: Do these entities really care about uh, us at all, uh, except as food sources? As a rule, I think they don't care, except uh, you know, as as food sources, because you know, as a, you know, we will we don't want to see the chicken uh, slaughtered and plucked, but we'll eat it. Most of us, you know, mm. um, but they also do the slaughtering and the plucking, so to speak. These parasites. Um, it. I've noticed that, that, at least in my experience, that they, there are many different uh, personalities among parasites. There are about nine different species, as we've talked about many times, the lower echelons being more two-dimensional thinkers and acting particularly like the children, as Shane has pointed out on a number of occasions. Uh, others uh, of the, the upper echelon, at least in, in my experience, are uh, wiser in the sense of their own species, and, uh, but, and they are the most uncaring uh, be, when I say wiser, I mean uh, in the sense of how best to use us. Very often they operate alone, and it's just um, I, d- I just don't. The only, the only ones I've ever uh, the lost uh, the the species I referred to was the we referred to as the lost uh, have occasionally expressed sorrow or 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 uh, almost have apologized literally to a couple of people in my experience for what they have for the way they have to live and the way they have to eat. Which is almost a human thing to do, but I don't believe they're human. Mm. So, but I also don't believe them. So, whether to believe that they're actually sorry for this, but but that, those are, that is exceptionally rare, and usually it is very cold and uncaring, as any predator 
would seem to be. So does um, I suppose does that make them evil? I mean, from our point of view, I guess yes. But is is the leopard that jumps on the the antelope and ever is is the leopard evil? No, it's just trying to live. So these are all philosophical questions that uh, I don't think we're going to have time to to address on the show today. Shane, what, what what's your reaction to uh, some of Phil's comments here? I'll say not only do these parasites um, not care about the suffering and the torture that they inflict, but it's done on purpose because they'll cause it if they they'll can. cause it and that's their yeah. goal because their strongest if we want to use the word food is when we're at the level of fear that's their ultimate goal is n- not only just a lowered emotional state but that fear frequency that fear energy that's what they need and so they they're not only is it um do, do they not just do not care about the suffering it's it's done on purpose yes mm. okay uh, we have any more Facebook questions there on that particular sheet, then? Oh, we do. <coughs> of course we do. Okay. We have a million questions. Um, so Martin from the Isle of Wight in the UK writes to us, uh, I found your recent show with Bill Hall and Jimmy uh, Petanito on strange communications from the dead very interesting, but they did not really explain how those kinds of calls can work. What do you think? Ghosts, time warps, uh, lost messages suddenly turning up? Okay. Uh, good question. Um, any thoughts from you fellows on that? Uh, I'm on trying that? to remember what we talked about in the show. Well, it was their their book. Yeah, their, I know it was their I know it was their book, but I'm trying to yeah. remember specific examples. Um, well, uh, phone calls from the dead, for example. That's what it was. Phone and, calls from uh, the dead. <clears throat> you know, I, I brought up the one that had ex- that uh, our friend Dave Kane had experienced uh, his, his son being the uh, youngest victim of the station nightclub fire in '03 here in Rhode Island, and uh, the next day uh, he had the, the young man had perished in the fire. And uh, the next day, uh, the cell phone number rang with his phone, you know, ID on it. It said Nikki, and uh, the phone, the, the firefighter said, said had been destroyed in the fire. So it could, it was pretty much impossible from a technological point of view for that call to have occurred. Uh, but that's only the beginning. If you look at Bill and Jimmy's book, uh, other things have happened that are really uh, equally strange or, or far more so. Right. And I think that's that's the point of the the question of how does that work. Uh, I have some opinions, but Ben, Shane? Yeah, I, I kind of have a few, I guess. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I guess it's similar to uh, EVPs, right? Like, how... how Electronic how, voice phenomena. Yeah, so how does, how, does, how does that occur? You know, I, the more I've kind of thought about it, you know, I think, I think the traditional interpretations of some ghostly mouth appearing and just lightly breathing into, into a, a, a recorder is not adequate enough. Um... I think it might have something more to do with electromagnetic uh, fields and such, you know, kind of like interference and all that, because we we get interference all over the place, right? Um, you know, especially if you're like like um, um, like radio frequencies when they're hanging around the atmosphere, like uh, what was it, the Queen Mary that? Uh, yes, that, there have been a number yeah. of uh, old ship communications uh, that have. Appeared, yeah, because they on bounce televisions and things for yeah, they bounce around the ionosphere until yeah, you know, they just sort of get paranormal picked up. You know, yeah. that's they, there's probably still a couple of those just bouncing around the ionosphere right now. Well, not probably, definitely because they they just tends to hang around. Um, I think I think you know technology has has the ability to sort of get messed with, um, especially if it's like you know audio or visual or something like that. It has the ability to be messed with. By like electromagnetic frequencies, kind of like we are, right? So you know, if we happen to be, um, you know, wandering through like some 
a, a place with a bunch of like frayed wires and stuff and electrical leaks, you know, of course it's going to affect, you know, how we think, feel, and and whatnot. Um, you know, even making us sick, right? So I mean, you know, imagine what that does to technology. Yeah. You know, especially if you're if you're you know if you. That's why one of the questions I actually remember asking this of Jimmy, like, okay, well, were there any loose wires or anything? Mm-hmm. You know, was there was there any sort of like. Um, you know, unbalanced cable because if anyone who's ever played, you know, an electro like an electric instrument would know that if you use a stereo unbalanced um, cable that goes from your guitar, bass, or whatever into your amplifier, you can pick up radio signals mm-hmm. because it's unbalanced. Therefore, you know, and you just pick up anything, especially if you have your distortion pedal on or anything like that. It'll just you know just pick up crazy fre- frequencies. Although I remember picking up someone with like a shortwave radio radio once. <laughs> I used to pick up CB radios with mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's it's like it's one of it's one of those things. So I mean, you know, it's not unheard of. But I, I think I think this is kind of like more extreme cases, which is why you know when I asked them for they had a lot of like information about the case itself, but nothing about the environment around it, and I think that's what kind of made it kind of hard to figure out. Okay, well, why is this happening? Because you know the first question that comes to my mind, like I said, was were there any frayed wires? Did they have any electrical issues? You know, um, you know, high water tables. Uh, you know, what, what about the the makeup of the soil? Like, were they near any rivers? Like, yeah, because you know, all that stuff generates electromagnetic activity. So, of course, you know that that would probably be an explanation for perhaps you know being able to tap into a parallel world or whatever. Um, so, I mean, that, those were kind of the thoughts I walked away with. But you know, I, I in the end, I was just like, I wish they had more information. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna do the same thing. Uh, relate EVP kind of to, to to this. You know these strange calls. Um, in, I had a coworker who got a call from uh, her brother who had passed like a week or two before or prior, and she got this um, on her on her message machine, <clears throat> and um, they had this thing saying "I love you, I'm okay" or something like that. And she says, "I know it was his. It's his voice. His voice, you know." And um, so the, the only way that it can be possible is through frequency. And uh, same thing with the the EVPs. Um, I, I've played around with with EVPs for a long, long time. At first, I didn't believe them. I'm like, there's sound waves everywhere. You could be picking up anything. But when these things started saying my name and you know and, and other people's names that were in the room and you know it just like this is beyond coincidence, you know. So um, some of the ones that I have that work the best are unshielded, mm-hmm. and so they they would pick up amazing things i mean and and so with the phone calls it's got to be the same thing it's got to it has to be frequency based um and even you know even the emotional frequencies that we give off um cross over huge and um so it, it we don't know for sure how it works but it has to it has to be something in that direction you know for sure well, I think we need to uh, at least make a reference to things we've talked about earlier in the show. And we don't know, you can't be sure what it is that's actually giving you right. a response oh, yeah. or making a statement. You, you just don't. I mean, you, you like to say, well, I know this person because I love them all their lives or whatever it's a. Um, and, and that you know who it is. And no, I respect that. Mm-hmm. You know? um, on the other hand, I think we need to realize that. Um, all possibilities do exist. There are many worlds, parallel worlds, in which these people never died. And uh, in the case of um, uh, Nikki O'Neill, who was the, the young man in the fire I referenced, uh, there has been all sorts of indications that he is in, is in a number of parallel worlds. Uh, 
perhaps uh, carrying on a career as a teacher. There's a long story how we might know that. Uh, and, and that he, uh, <clears throat> there are many worlds where the laws of physics are such that they can be very much aware of us and neighbors in the other world. My forthcoming book has all kinds of things I've never written about before that, that happened to me in the context of meditative states and sometimes even waking states where there were obviously people who were um, making uh, friends and contacts among neighbors, and I, they were not parasites. So these, these are all things we'll talk about in the future, but I think that uh, uh, these things can be real, they can happen, and um, the, the explanations are, are many, uh, and many, many explanations are very credible. Ben? Well, I, I think the the thing to kind of keep in mind is to just you know be smart about it, right? Exactly. You know, um, like we like we always say, you know, you could walk into the middle of a highway and then you know you might not get hit by a car, but maybe you will. Who knows? <laughs> um, I think I think really discernment is probably one of the only good English words that we have to kind of like un- understand how to approach this stuff. You know, if someone comes comes over, you know, sends you gives you a call and says hi i'm i'm your aunt martha i am here to tell you that you're going to die in five minutes like more than likely you're not going to believe that because you know it's just some some random person calling you and you don't even have an aunt martha mm-hmm. you know i think i think really being smart you know taking what you hear with a grain of salt and you know as as some ancient you know uh mystics would say you know don't believe don't trust phantoms <laughs> quote yes. unquote don't trust <laughs> phantoms <laughs> Because you have no idea where they're coming from, you know, you have no idea who they are. Even if they say, oh, I'm whoever, just don't, you know, just be smart about it. Well, as I always say, I don't trust half the people I meet on the street, never mind some, <laughs> something that comes through some kind of, you know, a Ouija board or anything like that. So it's, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Shane, mm-hmm. any final thoughts on that? No, nope, no, we nailed it. Well, that's always good. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess we're, uh, we're into our announcement period here. Uh, we Anybody else who wrote in, and <clears throat> there were many of you, uh, we'll try to get to your questions next week in our second uh, open line show. Because we thought ahead this time and decided to do two shows in our Yes. Final. So we end the year with uh, open lines, and we start the new year with open lines. And if you want to start the new year off by giving your friends, relatives, whoever, a, uh, a special gift, or especially if it's they try to be tending more towards the weird and unexplained side of, of interests and hobbies, you can try giving them an autographed copy of one of our books. Uh, our latest titles include Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard Of. Uh, and they're available from online retailers and in some stores. But for autographed copies, please visit the online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, otherwise, you'll have to sign them yourself, and that, it's not really ethical. Yeah, you can't, can't really forge our signatures there. Yeah. You'd have to really <laughs> do some serious chicken scratch there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our first event of 2019 uh, will not be what we said it was going to be. It's going to be earlier. That'll be the fourth annual Book Lovers Author Expo at the Cumberland Public Library in Cumberland, Rhode Island, Diamond Hill Road, on Saturday, February 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. There will be other southeastern New England authors of both fiction and nonfiction present. Uh, We're not going to make any kind of presentation there that day, but we'll meet meet and greet and sign books, and we'll be happy to to meet you if you want to come by. And there are a lot of other great folks who will be there as well. And on April 23rd, uh, well, my dad will be there. I will not because it is my uh, wedding anniversary and my wife will uh, destroy me if I if I do not appear for that. So I don't blame. So my dad will be back at the Town of Prospect Senior Center in Connecticut uh, for a presentation and we'll keep you posted as details develop. And Shane, what's going on with you? Not a whole lot, but um, 
I, I started a show, um, you know, a YouTube channel, I should say, mm-hmm. more more like a podcast right now, um, Exposed on the Paranormal TV is what it's called, and I've taken the last few months off. I kicked, I did two episodes and, and took a break from it to get kind of better set up, but I will be resuming that very soon, so uh, watch for that. We know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our YouTube channel, we've been neglecting it. We're, we're going to get back to that as soon as we can. New year. New year, new new channel. <laughs> new year, new ch- well, new year, same channel. New but year, new same shows. channel, but okay. re- renewed vigor. There right. we go. Uh, my next book, is, which I referred to earlier, is Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeist, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God. It will be published in hardcover in 2019. We'll keep you posted on the release date for that. And we'll have a lot of the stuff uh, that we talked about today, uh, particularly with uh, <coughs> strange encounters across uh, the multiverse. Indeed. And also on our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, in case you haven't heard it enough, uh, you can find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and you'll find over 800 free recorded shows from our 10-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Uh, there are also some links. There's, a, there's even a special page on that site with links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, and we really encourage you to check those out. Uh, they're all people we know, uh, so that they're not your frivolous uh, charities where all the money goes to administration. Uh, this includes uh, <clears throat> uh, USACares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, uh, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, uh, Tony LeRae doing great stuff out there for uh, some of the uh, at-risk youth in that, in that city, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. <clears throat> so, uh, Ben, what's uh, lurking in our future for next week? So next week, uh, January 6th, here on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, we'll bring you the second of our back-to-back open line shows uh, with guest host Shane Searway, and uh, we you will you can join us, and uh, we we will tackle a huge amount of questions from listeners on many paranormal subjects, which I am surprised we got through as many as we did today. Yeah. So congratulations, gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> little, little round of applause here via a golf clap I'm doing, um, and we'll be back, you know, January sixth, and tackle more questions. Okay. And Shane, you didn't give us your website during the show, so give us your website, please. It's TrueGhost.com. It's terrible right now. It was redone, and then it, went, it uploaded okay, and then all of a sudden it, something happened. It looks terrible right now, but it's trueghost.com, and I'll be uh, revamping that soon. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, we still have to work on New England ghosts, too. Anyway, we leave you this afternoon with a rather adept quote from, of all people, American country singer Jimmy Dean. I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can also adjust the sails to reach my destination. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And uh, this is Shane Seaway over here, and we will see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition.